0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Amen. God is so good. Hallelujah. Well, I I began a new series last week. I've never taught this series, but it's called Loving Life. We ought to love life. God wants you to love life. Amen. And I talked about why I love life. I said, I love life. What's the foundation of it? Number one, because God is good. Number two, because the Bible is true. The Word is true. Every Promise of God is yes and amen to the glory of God by us. Number three, because Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord. He's the Lord of eternity. He's Lord of heaven. He created all things. Jesus was Lord when he walked on earth. He's Lord over the earth, had Lord over sin, sickness, demons, disease, death. Praise God. Lord over the grave when he went to the grave. And not only that. Jesus is the coming king. He is going to reign forever and ever and ever. He's going to reign for a thousand years of peace on this earth, if I'm reading the scripture right, and then he's going to deliver the kingdom up to his father. What a marvelous deal. Praise God. And number four, because we are blessed. Everybody say, I am blessed. Yes. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you gotta notify your brain what the Bible says about you, and you're blessed, and you need to start talking like it and acting like it and looking like it. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter three. Let's start here in verse eight where we started last week. Peter's actually talking about relationships, specifically talking about the marriage relationship. And he says in verse 8, Finally, be all of one mind. Have compassion on one another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. In the King James, the modern English says be merciful. How many of you know you need to be merciful to your spouse? You need to be merciful to other people? Blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. Hallelujah. Be courteous. Guess what? It's good just to be courteous to people in general. But especially to your spouse, especially to your family, be courteous. Don't be a jerk. Don't render evil for evil. You know, sometimes people are evil to you. The Bible says when somebody's evil to you, you be good to them. You bless those who curse you, you pray for those who despitefully use you. Praise God. Don't render evil for evil or railing for railing. That means if you get chewed out, don't sow strife back into that situation. Don't you chew them back out. You bless them. Bless those who curse you. But contrary blessing that you are thereto called, that you should inherit a blessing. Do you want to inherit a blessing? Then speak blessing. For he who will love life Everybody say, love life. (laughs) Love life. We need to love life. You know, sometimes I get so serious when I see such corruption in the world and even in the church. We forget to love life. He that will love life. Everybody say, love life. (laughs) And see good days. You want to see good days? Glory to God, I want to see good days. Listen, God's been good to Pastor Lawson. I am super, super, super blessed. Amen, God's been really good to me and I'm I'm blessed in so many ways. I'm living the good life and the good life is in Christ. The good life is in the gospel. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in so many ways. It's just marvelous. It's just amazing to me. You know, we need to see the good. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no deceit. Let him hate evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. i you are glad that God's eyes are on you. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro about the whole earth seeking to show himself strong on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, I was... I had a contract on a house one time, and this person came and had me do a bunch of work. And it was, they were the most difficult person that I have ever dealt with in my life. I have never seen somebody, and I've dealt with a lot of people, I've done a lot of business, but this person was difficult. And you know, the Lord told me. They, they backed out of their contract at the last, last minute. It was, it was just a painful situation. And the Lord spoke a word to me. and He said, Lawson, I know how to bless the righteous. And I know how to reserve the wicked to the day of judgment. And I don't know what ever happened to them. Amen? But you know what? God, I can tell you how God took care of me. I had a contract on that house for $390,000. I rented it out for the next 10 years. I owed money against that house. I paid that house off. I used that house as collateral, amen, to buy a business. That business is worth 50% more than I paid for it. I sold the house for a bargain for $520,000, amen i put that in other investments. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is good. It was a very painful, difficult situation. And he said, Lawson, I know how to bless the righteous. And I know how to reserve the wicked under the day of judgment. So you leave judgment in the hands of God and you let God bless you. Let him bless you. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open in their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So I told you the foundation of loving life. God is good, the word is true, Jesus is Lord, and we're blessed. But how do we walk in it? Notice what verse 10 says. It says, he that will love life and see good days. The key is in what you see, not what somebody else sees. What do you see? And you need to see good. In fact, David said this in Psalm 27, 13. He said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, we live in a world that's dark. We live in a world that's sometimes corrupt. But just because the world is dark and corrupt doesn't mean I have to be in that mess with it. I am believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What do you see? I'm not talking about what somebody else sees. I'm talking about what do you see? You see, I believe that every person has a picture on the inside of them, and they are being drawn towards that subconsciously into that picture, what they see on the inside. In fact, I believe the picture on the inside determines the picture on the outside. And if you don't like what you're seeing on the outside, you have the power to change it. It's the key is in what you see. And you need to see what God says about you. Hallelujah. You know, I've had people say ugly things about me. And it's one thing when the world speaks ugly about you. They do that all the time. It really doesn't bother me because it kind of tells me. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. So it really doesn't bother me so much what the world says about me. But what about when your best friends talk bad about you? What about when your mentors? I've had my mentors who I love and respect say very negative things about me in the past. And I thought, you know what? They just don't see what I see. They don't know how my mind's changed. And those very same people have completely reversed what they're saying about me because my happiness is not in someone else's head. My happiness is in my relationship with Jesus. Praise God. It don't even matter what your pastor says about you. What really matters is what God says about you. Doesn't matter what your mama said, your daddy said, your grandma said, your grandpa said, your teacher said, your boss said, your husband said, your wife said, your kid said. What matters is what God said about you. Hallelujah. Well, you got to begin to see good. So what do you see? What do you see? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Let me show you something. Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 4. The subject is joy. He's writing from prison where he's been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. In fact, we probably wouldn't have near as much of the New Testament as we do except Paul spent so much time in prison. So he writes and says this. He has a revelation of this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always in verse 4. And again, I say rejoice. You know, rejoicing is kind of like putting gas in your car. you got to keep doing it. Amen. Keep rejoicing in the Lord. Always be rejoicing. And then he tells us how to do it in verse 5. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray about it. Ask God about it. supplication means just to ask the Lord. He says, do it with thanksgiving and let your requests be made known to God. Do you know how to make your prayers work much better? You sandwich them in between thanksgiving, kind of like an Oreo. I don't know if you like Oreos, but I like Oreo. Amen. So you make the white part your prayer and you make the chocolate part your thanksgiving. Amen. So you thank God, ask him, thank God, ask him, thank God, thank God, thank God. In fact, Aaron was counseling somebody not very long ago. And he told this person, this is, and this was great counseling. I thought, this is fantastic. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, you take the next 30 days in your prayer life and you do nothing except pray in tongues and thank God. Because he had such a habit of when he was praying, Of bringing up the problem and he was focusing more on the problem than the answer so Aaron said for 30 days when you pray all you can do is thank God and pray in tongues Amen. that is really good revelation amen so don't worry about it pray about it and thank God and he says this in verse 7 and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus Finally, now look at this, brethren, this is where I was getting all the time. Finally, brethren, how do you see things? What do you see, first of all? What do you see? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. In other words, you have to choose what you think on. In fact, Aaron found a study a period of time ago, and in this study that they did, it was at a major university, they found that the average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. 80% of those thoughts are negative Over 95% of them are repeated thoughts. So what you've got to do, if you're going to see the good, you have to begin to think good thoughts. If you look at verse 8 again in Philippians chapter 4, and you go through it, you will see that everything that Paul says to think on is positive. Hallelujah. So when you have these repeated, and you can't just overcome negative thinking. You have to replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Now, here's some things that I've done. Aaron gave me this. It really helped me. And this was a study, and it was quoted by a leading Baptist pastor in Dallas, Texas, of a huge megachurch. And he said this, the average person loses seven key relationships in their lifetime. The average pastor loses seven key relationships a year. I'm telling you it's honest. So I've had to learn how when I think about some people, (laughs) I try to find one good thing, and I try to focus on that one good thing. So when I think of them and the devil's trying to work garbage in my brain, I think of one good thing. And I say, they did this one good thing. This was good. Amen. (laughs) And it's helping me. Hallelujah. So think about positive things and you can retrain your mind. And really what it is, talking about what you see... It's a choice that you make. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to begin reading in verse 15. Deuteronomy says this. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love God and walk in His ways and keep His word, His statutes, His judgments that you may live and multiply and the Lord God will bless you in the land where you're going to possess it. But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear but be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce to you today that you will surely perish and that you will not prolong your days on the land where you pass over Jordan to go possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. You choose what you see. You choose the thoughts that you think. You choose where you go. And you choose what you receive. Amen. It's your choice. So we've got to be, if we want to love life... Key number one is we've got to begin to see good, and the way we see good is by choosing our thoughts. But not only do we need to see good by choosing the right thoughts, we need to understand how we think. In other words, how do you process information? Turn with me really quickly to Matthew chapter 6. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, or actually verse 22 and 23. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. And if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The light of the body is the eye. The word for eye in the Greek here is the Greek word ophthalmos. When you go get your eyes checked, you go to the optometrist. It comes from that same Greek word, ophthalmos. It means the eye. This Greek word ophthalmos, it also means vision or sight. You see the way that you the direction that you're going what you're going to receive in life is determined by what you see. And if you can change the picture on the inside, you can change the picture on the outside. Amen. Years ago, while we pastored in Kit Carson, I went to a meeting in Denver, Colorado where Mark Hankins was preaching. Mark, when I first heard him, made me mad, to be honest. He he got on my religion a little bit. And so... However, Barbara said, he's right. You're wrong. You need to get over it. So I've gotten well over it. Mark has become one of my best friends. Amen? Hallelujah. But in the process of changing my thinking, right, I was pastoring a church then of 100 people, and we were given about $50,000 a year to missions and other ministries. In the process of changing my thinking, these thoughts began to come to me after I decided to accept the truths that he was preaching. If I can pastor a church of 100 people and give away $50,000 a year, I can pastor a church of uh, of 1,000 people and I can give away $500,000 a year. That thought process changed in 1998. And we came here to start Caris Christian Center in 2001. We had one bachelor, one blind man, and his wife Mike and Mary Peterson and Greg Trout. And Greg married Kim. Barbara said the church doubled. So, anyway. It was kind of tough when we first started out. In fact, some weeks, we weren't receiving any money from the church when we first started out here in Colorado Springs. So I would put $50 in the offering, and some Sundays, the offering was less than $100. And that's when I put it. Guess what? That picture doesn't look very good. But while we were in that condition, I began to believe for $50,000, for $5,000 actually a month, And when I got to $5,000 a month, I started believing for $10,000 a month. When I got to $10,000 a month, I started believing for a quarter million a year. When I got to a quarter million a year, I started believing for a half million a year. When I got to a half million a year, I started believing for a million a year. When I got to a million a year, I started believing for two million a year. When I got to two million a year, I started believing for... More. Uh Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen? And then we got to three million and four million, and then, but we're going forward. So I've been believing for a period of time for seven million dollars a year. But I've been believing for that. For a long time Then in 2016, 1998, I started believing if I could pastor a church of a hundred people and give away 50,000 dollars a year, I can pastor a church of a thousand people and give away 500,000 a year, and that's happened every year since 2016. If we didn't do it in actual cash, we did it in gifts and kinds, so on and so forth. but we've done that. And guess what? I started believing in 1998. That I could give $500,000 a year away. And that happened 18 years later in 2016. But now I'm believing, amen, if I could give away $500,000 a year, I can give away $5 million a year. And I don't believe it'll be long before that happens. But your believing precedes your receiving. And you've got to see it on the inside before you can see it on the outside. Amen? So how do we think the light of the body is the eye? It's eye, vision, or sight. So you've got a picture. You've got a vision. You've got a dream. You've, you're seeing something on the inside. And what you see on the inside determines what you receive on the outside. Proverbs 22, 9 says this. He who has a generous eye will be blessed because he gives of his goods to the poor. Hallelujah. I helped a couple of poor people this week. Now, if everybody that has provision would give at least one poor person a meal a we, week, would, we would eliminate poverty. Amen? And you know what? There's really no excuse for you to be poor if you're in America, but there's really no excuse for any believer to be poor anywhere in the world. Because if you believe the word, the word will work wherever you are. I've been some of the worst uh, countries, third world countries in the world and see people that are phenomenally and extremely blessed because they believed the Bible. Amen? And if you believe the Bible instead of believing what some religious person said. Amen? And I get people that criticize me. They call us that prosperous church. That prosperity church. Well, praise God, it's working. Just keep saying it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, I used to get embarrassed when people would say things about me. Now I just say, just go ahead. Praise God. Just just keep saying it. Just keep agreeing with what God says about me. (laughs) Amen. I don't care. Amen. You just haven't been reading the Bible. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. I, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You get your mind renewed in the word of God, you can start seeing what the word says in your life. But how do you see things? Do you see from the position of a victor or that of a victim? You see, since about 2008, the political things changed in 2008 and in the United States of America a lot of been people been singing the victim song instead of singing the victor song and you need to be start singing the victor song the victory song because you are a victor in Christ amen in fact, the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, verse 5 says, For whosoever is born of God, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God, whoever is born of God overcomes this world. Amen. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you born of God? Then you have been made a world overcomer, and you were made a world overcomer the moment that you believe. But people have been told for too long that they're victims of what society says. They're victims of what somebody else says instead of believing that they're victors through what God says about them. In fact, I had a member of my family call me a while back and they said, you didn't call your nephew on his birthday and he feels so bad because you haven't called him. I said, listen, he hadn't talked to me for 10 years. Cry me a river. If he wants to talk to me, he can call me anytime. But I don't call all my nephews and nieces on their birthdays. I don't even know when half of them are. He said, I think we need to change the subject. Praise God, and they change it right there. I am tired of good people getting blame for what crazy people think. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. And you don't need to be crazy with the world. You don't have to sing that victim song. The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Do you approach life from the point of victory or from the point of defeat? Are you a victor or are you a victim? Do you see God or do you see the giant? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, David comes out to take some food to his brothers there at war. King Saul's there. David's brothers are there, the armies of Israel there. And they see this Goliath, the champion of Gath, the Philistine giant out in the valley of Elah threatening the children of Israel. And as David's there, guess what David sees? David sees things different because he sees things different. He says some things different. David says this is an uncircumcised Philistine and who is he to defy the armies of the living God? But look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, really quickly, verse 36 and verse 37. It says this, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 36, and this is David's testimony before Saul the king. Saul says, man, this guy is a man of war since his youth and you're nothing but a little pretty kid. And David says in verse 36, your servant killed the lion and he killed the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, this no good, non-covenant man shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord (laughs) be with you. Nobody else was willing to go fight that battle. And that Philistine came and he told David, listen, what are you, you pretty little kid? You sent, come out here with a staff? What am I, a dog? I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. And David said, you ugly Philistine, I'll tell you what. I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to kill your brothers and I'm going to feed you all to the birds. You need to learn how to talk trash to the devil. Don't let him rent space in your brain. But see. Everybody else saw how big he was. David said, he's so big I can't miss. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) David didn't even have a sword, you know? He goes out there and takes his sling, bam, hits him spirit-guided rock right between the eyes. Goes and takes Goliath's own sword and chops his head off. Glory to God. And he carries the head back to King Saul. But he takes He takes those his armor and he hangs it in his tent because you know what he's doing? He's getting a picture of victory on the inside of him that's so big. You know what they said when Solomon took the kingdom? There were no giants to kill because David killed them all. And you need to get a picture of victory on the inside of you that's so big that you run off and kill all them ugly giants. And if you kill a bunch of them ugly giants, it's going to change how your family lives. It's going to change how your children lives. But if you let them giants defeat you, do you see life from the point of the curse or the blessing? Do you see it from the point of God or the giant? Amen? Do you see it from the point of the promise or the problem? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, God the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness and God tells Moses, pick 12 of the best men you have to go spy out the land. 12 of the best men, 12 out of 2 million. And he picks them and then he tells them, I want you to go see the land, I want you to see the fruit, I want you to see the cities, I want you to see the fields, and I I want you to come back and give, give me a report. But in the middle of it, he says, be of good courage because he knows people tend to get negative. So be of a good courage. So they all go, they come back, and the ten spies, they say, we saw the fruit, it's good. We saw the fields, they're good. We saw the cities, they're good. But we saw the giants, they're big. Amen? And Joshua and Caleb, they say, hey, the fruit is good. The fields are good. The cities are good. Amen? And God's with us. Let's go get them. But verse 33 tells us a little bit. Numbers 13, verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. I'm sure the giants had at least a midget giant or two. (laughs) And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. The way you see yourself many times determines how other people see you. And I've had even my best friends at times say some very negative things about me. But they've changed what they said because I changed the picture on the inside of me. And the picture on the inside of me changed the picture on the outside of me. So don't you let the devil rent space in your head. And even if your best friends say negative things about you, don't get on that bandwagon. You need to see yourself exactly how God sees you. And you need to say about yourself exactly what God says about you because his report is good. You need to see the promise rather than the problem. You need to see the cross rather than seeing the curse. In Numbers chapter 21, the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they began to complain they begin to complain about Moses. They begin to complain about God. They begin to complain about the manna. Do you know what? You should never complain about God's provision for you. But as they began to complain, it says in verse six, there were fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people died. Therefore, in verse 7, the people came to Moses. Numbers 21, 7 said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. And pray to God that he takes away these serpents. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. Make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it will come to pass that everyone when he's bitten, he who looks upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and it came to pass if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass. How did he see it? When he saw it, he lived. He was forgiven and he was healed. It was an anti-type of the cross. And when Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus took our sins and he took our sicknesses. And if you behold the cross of Christ, you can behold it and you can be forgiven you can be healed in your body so it's not only what you see it's how you see it and you've got to begin to see from a position of a victor you've got to begin to see from the position of the promise you've got to be, begin to see from the position of the cross you've got to begin to see from the position of who who God is and what God said about your situation And many times the world will say different things and see different things, but you can see and you can say what God says about your situation. But how do you do that? How do you do it? Number one, you got to begin to see it and then you got to begin to see it in a different way. And the way you do it is you must replace evil thoughts with good thoughts. You replace thoughts of sickness with thoughts of health. You replace thoughts of defeat with thoughts of victory. You you replace thoughts of poverty with thoughts of prosperity. You replace your thoughts, and you begin to think, what would it be like to give $100 a week and $200 a week and $1,000 a week? What would it be like? And if you can see it on the inside, you can see it on the outside. Amen. In fact, Ephesians says it this way. In Ephesians 4, 22 to verse 24, Paul says this. He says in verse 22, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And then he says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That word renewed is talking about a complete renovation. The word spirit's talking about your general attitude. You've got to approach life with the attitude of faith rather than the attitude of fear. With the attitude of faith rather than the attitude of unbelief. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which in the likeness of God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You've got to begin to see the way God says you are. Romans 12 says this, In verse 2, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The the changing, you've got to change, but you're not just going to overcome evil thoughts because you're going to have thoughts. So you've got to replace those thoughts. Amen? And you've got to begin to see from the perspective of God. Amen? Amen? In fact, I I got a great quote from my mother. She was just listening to Billy Brim preaching. My mother said this. Billy Brim said, Renewing your mind is like combing your hair. You got to do it every day. (laughs) Why? Because the world thinks what they think. The world talks the way they talk. They act the way they act. Right? So you got to begin to renew your mind and think like God thinks. You got to replace thoughts of lack with thoughts of provision. Replace thoughts of sickness, right, and death with thoughts of healing and life. Amen. Replace thoughts of sin with thoughts of righteousness. Amen. You change the way that you think. You replace them. Praise God. And you begin to see what God says. And you begin to see from the perspective of God. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Hallelujah. Glory to God, I have more than enough. I have everything I need to do, everything God called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. And when my mother said that, I'm like, man, that comes right out of the word. I said, Mama, I'm going to use that in my message tomorrow. She was just talking to me yesterday. So in James chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture actually says this. James chapter 1, if you want to turn there, let's turn there. James chapter 1, verse 18 says this. It says, of his own will began begat he us. We were born of the word that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creation. So you were born again, 1 Peter 1.23 says, by the word of truth, right? That lives and abides forever. So you have the seed in you in Christ. The moment that you are born again, you have the victory in Christ. It's already in you. The victory is already in you. But if you're going to experience the victory, you've got to change how you process information. So in verse 21, he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So if you're thinking one way, but the word's saying something different, you you submit yourself. You receive meekly the word and say whatever the word says settles it. And you change what you think. Then he says in verse 22, Be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. But notice verse 23. But whoever looks, and he calls the New Testament into the perfect law of liberty. He calls it the perfect law of freedom. And continues there. And you continue in the word of God. Notice actually verse 23. He says, If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a natural man looking At his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way. And immediately forgets who he was. Mind renewal is like looking in a mirror. It's like combing your hair. You got to do it every day. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. And continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer. But a doer of the work. This Man shall be blessed in his deed. I started believing this full gospel 45 years ago. I started believing this full gospel that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I started believing the full gospel that I am blessed by the Lord, the possessor of heaven and earth. I started believing this full gospel that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, that I'm more than a conqueror through him that love me, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I started believing it 45 years ago that by Jesus, stripes I am healed I am whole I am well from the top of my head to the soles of my feet And there's a lot of people that have told me it doesn't work. Just go on and rain on somebody else's prayed, baby, because it's working for Pastor Lawson Purdue. It's working in my life. It's working in my body. It's working in my bank account. It's working in my church. It's working in my children. It's working. The word works. If you'll believe it, it'll work for you because God is no respecter of a person, but he's a respecter of faith. So believe it and receive it in Jesus name. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.